Good morning. So today's reading is from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 through 14. That's from the New International Version, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 12 to 14. Just as a body through one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Good to see everybody this morning. So I wanted to start out with a, 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 a sign that maybe some of you have seen before. Raise your hands if you recognize this, this message. Um, it's quite a frustrating thing, right? It reminds me of a story I heard once about a guy, um, let's call him John. <laughs> uh, he was trying to impress his family with his tech skills uh, to prove that he could solve his Wi-Fi connection issues all by himself. He spent hours on this, researching online, resetting his device. He even found out how to reboot the router, which he was pretty impressed with himself for. Um, but nothing seemed to work. Eventually, though, his persistence paid off and he figured it out. Unfortunately, though, the whole time the problem was that he just kept using the wrong password. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, you know, I guess in the end he figured it out, but his kids still laugh at him for it. He'll, I don't think he'll ever live that one down. Uh, has anybody ever been in John's shoes, gone through something like that? Sometimes a simple connection can be such a difficult thing, right? And in a similar way, we might be struggling to connect with the church. You know, we know that the church can help us with spiritual growth, and we like that idea. It sounds good. We want to connect even, you know, connect, so to speak, but we can't seem to make it work, right? There, there's just something that seems to be missing. God wants all of us to grow in a community of Jesus followers that's called the church. It's this incredible idea and this incredible thing that Jesus set up. But in order for us to experience that growth, we need to be connected. Thankfully, it's not that complicated. It's actually easier than Wi-Fi. But with that said, there's still a few things that we need to know in order to make a good connection and today I want to talk about how we can experience growing together, uh, this growing together thing that the Bible talks about in our scripture today. And I, and I thought, you know, as we, as we went through this, we could break it into two parts. And, and the first thing I'd like to talk about is what we need to know. What, what does the Bible tell us about what we need to know about this growing together and, and, and how we can make that connection uh, and, and what we'll find, I think, is that we'll make a better connection when we really understand what the church is fundamentally. And, and secondly, as we go through this, I want to look at what we need to do about that. You know, we'll grow effectively when we connect to the church in the right way. So we'll, we're going to look at that, too. Let's start with the first one, what, what we need to know. I think there's a lot we could talk about here, but 
I wanted to point out one critical idea about how the Apostle Paul defines the church and what he said here in verse 12 of what Joe just read us. He said, just as the body, though one, has many parts, but all of its parts form one body, so it is with Christ. Let that sink in for a minute. Paul is comparing the church to a human body here, right? He describes it as a human body, and that's significant because it helps us realize some really important things about what the church is. The human body is amazing. You know, it's a, it's a group of connected members, and every one of those members looks different, they function different, but yet despite all of that diversity, the members work together for the benefit of one another. And they also work together to carry out the will of the head. Think about that analogy and how it applies to the church. Different members who have different functions, but yet they all come together to help each other grow as they work out the, the, the will of the head together. Now, I'm, I want you to think about that for a bit. What is your view of church? When you think about that word, what comes to mind? You know, sometimes we talk about the church like it's a building, you know. I'll meet you at the church, we say. Or, or we, talk, we talk about the church like it's an appointment on the calendar. We say like, oh, I'm going to church tomorrow. Or we talk about the church like it's a worship service. We, we'd say something like, hey, did you like that song at church today? And, and I'm not trying to make a big deal and split hairs over the language we use, but... If this is how we actually view church, there is a real danger, I think. If in our heart church means building or event, then it becomes something external to us. It's not really who we are anymore. It's just somewhere we go or it's something we do before we go back to our real life. And that's a problem. But if we're a body and we see ourselves as a body, then the church becomes personal Because it's a body that we are a part of. And the health of that body matters because in some ways it's us. It's personal. If we're a body, then it also becomes personal because we have a role to play. We're a member of that body. We have something to contribute to what the body is doing. And we also rely on the other members of the body to help us. In the human body, I mean... We could do this. Um, we could we could run through an example of this. Take the stomach, for instance, right? The stomach, it can process food. That's that's what it brings to the table. But it relies on the mouth to eat. And the mouth, well, it relies on the hand to grab the food. And the hand relies on the arm to move it. The arm relies on the energy it gets from the food that the stomach processes. You get the idea, right? It, it's It's the same in the church. We all have something to to contribute to what this body is doing, and we all rely on each other to get that done. And a body doesn't just connect itself together for a couple hours a week and then disband. I mean, can you imagine? (laughs) Uh, Like the thing off of of that show, the crawling hand. Um, The body doesn't do that, right? It's always together. None of the members would survive if they disbanded from each other. And it's the same with the church. I mean, maybe we can't physically be together in the same place all week long, but we can still be connected as a community through the week. And as, and as important as our time is here on Sunday morning, 
What we do here is not the definition of church. I, I hope you know that. This is something that we do. It's something that's very important. But this is not who we are. We are a community, first and foremost. We're a community for Christ. This community doesn't go anywhere after we say amen on the closing prayer. And I want to challenge us to think about your role in, in this community from Monday to Saturday. How are you engaging in the community? How are you working in the body through the week? Are you engaging? God gave us the community of the church to help us grow, and, and we need to connect with that community. Not just sit in the same room, not just go through the order of service together, not just have our names on the same membership list. We need a real connection. We need a real connection because it's critical for our spiritual growth. We have to see the church as who we are, not just something we do. It's like we do with our physical bodies. So we need to know. Uh, so what we need to know is that the church is more like a body that keeps us alive than it is like an event that we attend. And the rest of our scripture today, it expands on that idea to help us with some things that we can do practically to better engage in that community or in that body of Christ. So the first thing I want to talk about is, is what we see in verse 14, and, and that's to embrace unity. Embrace unity. Like I said, this shows up in, in a couple of places, but verse 14 is one of them. It says, even so the body is not made up of one part, but many. And if we look down from there in verse 20 and 21, uh, it says there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. We see here that being a part of the body is, it means that we have to accept that our lives are about something bigger than just ourselves. I am not the body of Christ. You are not the body of Christ. But collectively... We make up the body of Christ. That means that my part matters, but it also means that your part matters too. And I can't say that I don't need you and neither can you say that to me. You have something to contribute that no one else has. And everyone else has something that you need too. And that's the gift of embracing unity. The world tells us, you know, to be a strong individual, to be self-reliant. It says that you can solve everything on your own, but the God who made us has different and better plans for us. We see the value of God's plan in verses 15 and 16. He says, now if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, well, I don't belong to the body. It would not, for that reason, stop being a part of the body. You don't have to raise your hands for this, but have you ever struggled with self-esteem? That's a common one, I think. Have you ever compared yourself to someone else and felt like you were less than? Or that you didn't belong? Our scripture today speaks to that. You might be sitting there thinking, ah, what do I have to contribute to the church? I don't have any gifts. I don't have any skills. I'm like the appendix of the church body, you know, just sitting there taking up space. No offense to the appendix, by the way. I'm sure we'll figure out what it does one day. Um, actually, I think it does something for the immune function, but I digress. Um, 
But with you in the church body, it's not the case. That's just not what it's like, right? I can say that with confidence because God says that about you and me in this passage. And I want you to hear that today. You know, maybe you haven't heard that before, but in this body, you matter. You matter just the way that you are, too, right? You have unique value in this body just the way you are. You have something to contribute right now just the way you are. You're not worth less because you're not like someone else. That's the wrong way to think about your value. Your value isn't based on how well you compare with others. You have specific value because God made you as a specific part of the body and you have a specific purpose. The hand, it's not like the foot. They do different things and so they can't compare themselves to each other. And in the same way, you're different. And that's a good thing. God made it that way. Like, and he says that in verse 18. He says, but in fact, God has placed the parts of the body, sorry, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them just the way he wanted them to be. He arranged you in the body exactly the way he wanted you to be. He gave you the skills, the talents, the abilities, the resources that you have for a reason. You don't need to be like someone else to be useful and valuable. Now, I want to temper that by saying, of course, that doesn't mean that there's no need for growth or that we can't improve from where we currently are. We're talking about spiritual growth all year because we can and we should. But don't get that confused with the fact that you're valuable and you have a valuable role to play right now where you are. There's room for you in this body exactly as you are. You have a role to play now. And our scripture today challenges every single Christian to see themselves as an important and working member of the body. I heard a story recently about a lady who was comparing the demeanor of two different janitors. I think it's a really cool story. The first, uh, the first janitor was a man who worked at a school. And, uh, and he really didn't seem to value his job at all. He grumbled about it and he said, you know what, I spend all this time cleaning just so the kids can come in the next day and make a huge mess and undo everything I've done. My work is pointless. So she compared this guy, this first guy, to another janitor. And, and the second person was a guy who worked at the, ho- at the hospital. And he seemed to be so engaged in his work and and he was happy to be doing it. And she asked him, you know, what's your secret? Why are you so engaged in your work as a janitor? And and his response was amazing. He said, oh, I'm I'm not a janitor. I'm a member of the healthcare team at the hospital. At the hospital here, we help people to get better. And in order for that to happen, things need to be clean. And every day I help with that. I mean, don't you just love that attitude? It's amazing how that that sort of simple change in perspective can seriously change everything about the way you see what you're doing. And I I was thinking, couldn't we bring that same perspective to what we do with the church? You know, you're, you're no longer just a soundboard operator. You're no longer just printing papers. You're no longer just selecting songs, attending a Bible study, sending a text, saying hello, hosting a dinner, going out for coffee, etc., etc. If you choose to see it this way, in this community, we help people grow to know and follow Jesus. 
And this thing that I'm doing, it's helping to make that happen. Isn't that empowering? What I'm doing is a part of Jesus' body working in this world. That's a powerful and a motivating perspective. Brothers and sisters, what you bring to the table matters so much, even if you think it's small. So we need to reject that idea that we have nothing to offer because it just doesn't line up with what the scripture says. But on the other end of the spectrum, uh, the other end of the spectrum, we can't be fiercely independent either. We already looked at that, that concept from verse 21. We can't have this attitude that, you know, we can do it all on our own. We don't need anyone else. God said it best when he made Adam in the garden, didn't he? It's not good for the man to be alone. Contrary to what our culture says, being fiercely independent is not good for us. Especially as a Christian, the idea of being a lone ranger Christian is not compatible with our scripture today. We grow best in community and we need to engage ourselves in that community by embracing unity together. Yes, you know, full disclosure, it will be messier. <laughs> uh, yes, it will be um, more patience testing. And yes, there will even be times when we hurt each other. But in the end, we are far better off together than not. You have something to offer that's unique and valuable. God has given that to you. But at the same time, he's also given everyone else something that you need as well. That's how a body works. And God set it up that way for a reason. We need each other. So offer what you have. No matter how small you think it is, embrace unity by making what you have about more than just yourself. Bring your talents, your time, your money, your experience in life, your support, your help, your prayers. Use your home. Use your possessions, your strength, your intellect. It's all valuable. God has placed you in the body in just the way he wanted. And he wants you to embrace unity with this body and be a part of what we're doing to grow together. Embrace unity. And besides embracing unity... Our passage also highlights the idea of honoring one another. We see this show up in uh, verses 22 to 24, where Paul says, On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable, and the parts that we think are less honorable we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable we treat with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it. I like how the, the Apostle Paul uses that analogy of the human body to contrast how the world honors people with the way that people are honored in the body of Christ. There's a big difference. The world gives honor to those who shine brightest, right? Those who provide the people with what they want get the honor, and those who don't, well, <laughs> they don't. And maybe that's not always a bad thing, but this isn't the way that honor works in the church. There are two, I think, really important words here in verses 22 and 23. The words uh, seem and think. Paul is saying that uh, there are some people who, by the world's standards, may seem to be weaker or who we might think of as less honorable. But in the church, we honor them just the same. Like it says in verse 13, all, the, all those who've been baptized form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. 
We are all part of the same body and all equal in God's sight. We we all have different abilities, yeah. We all we might even have different levels of abilities, but that doesn't mean we have different levels of honor or importance in the church. It's like a human body. You could make the analogy very well with that, I think. You know, by some standards, you might say your internal organs, for instance, are they may seem weaker, right, by some standards. They don't easily survive. But yet the body, your body knows how significant they are. They're critical. They need those things. And so your body honors and protects them. And it's kind of like that in the body of Christ. We see the significance of people where the world might not. Because God has placed each member in the body just the way he wanted to be. And our honor comes from him. And this matters. The way we honor each other matters a lot because, you know, if I use the world standards in the way that I honor everyone else around me in the church, then I'm only going to show honor to the people who benefit me and my life. And how will we grow together if that's the case? Well, the answer is we wouldn't. The people in this world that might be disregarded in the church, we consider them to be honorable and we help them grow together with us as a brother and a sister. This is such an important thing for us as we try to build a community where spiritual growth is a reality. For this community to grow together, we need to honor each other. You know, there were definitely problems with this in the Corinthian church. I think there's always been problems with that in every church. I think in part that's why Paul was writing this letter to the Corinthians. I mean, we could just give a a quick list here. In chapter 6, he talks about how there was lawsuits between the members of the church. And in chapter 8, he talks about how um, they were fighting and dividing over different beliefs about food and drink and religious customs. In chapter 11, we read about how they were treating the rich and the poor differently during the Lord's Supper. And earlier in chapter 12, we read about how um, they were trying to one-up each other in their spiritual giftedness. Fighting, division, preferential treatment, competition... I mean, all of this resulted in the church looking more like the world than it did the body of Christ. And so I think we have to ask ourselves, you know, where are we at with this today? Where are we at? How do we treat our brothers and sisters in this congregation? Do we treat them by the world standards or do we treat them like a member of our own body? The world would say, fight for what you deserve. The world would say, if they don't see it your way, leave them in the dust. The world would say they've got nothing to offer you. They're not worth your time. But if we want to have a community where spiritual growth happens, we need to learn to honor one another. And so the last thing I want to highlight is is um, something that we can do to better engage in the body, and, and that's fighting isolation. Fighting isolation. And this shows up in at least two places here. We already saw it again. We, we saw this verse already in verse 21. We're told to reject that idea, right? That, that we can just do it all on our own and we don't need each other. This, this goes so much against our culture though, because if we want to grow in our faith, you know, the culture will tell us, you know, you don't need other people. You can do it on your own. But, but according to the scripture, that's not the case, right? That's not God's plan for us. If we want to succeed, if we want to be like Jesus, we need to do that together. And besides this verse here in verse 21, there's also what it says in verses 25 and 26. 
It says, so there should be no division in the body, but that each, uh, sorry, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. And if one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. So let me ask you another question. Do you have concern for your brothers and sisters? Is that type of concern the type that translates into actions? Because I think that's what we see here, right? If one part of the body is suffering, there's a reaction from all the other parts of the body. You know, that's how it works in the physical body. I mean, um, take stubbing your toe, for instance. You know, everything in the body responds to that, right? Your knee bends, your hands go down to grab your foot, you start hopping on the other leg. Maybe your eyes start crying. Maybe your mouth says some words you later regret, you know. Anybody ever experienced that? You get the idea, right? The whole body responds to that one member and its pain. There's a physical response to the suffering of the one member. And that idea, it should apply in the church body too. And that's the question for us. You know, do we have this kind of concern for our brothers and sisters? When a member is suffering or when a member is celebrating, does that act, does that affect the way that we live? And affect the way that we connect with the body. And I mean, sure, we, we can't respond in a physical way to every single situation of every single member. I think that's a little bit beyond what we could possibly do. But just like the human body, there are certain members who are closer to us than others. You know, the, this finger is close to the other fingers. My palm is close to my, my wrist and my forearm. And just like the body has certain members that are closer than others, I think in the church is the same way. And we need to be willing to suffer and celebrate with those members who are close to us in tangible ways. But here's the flip side of that. You know, maybe maybe this is actually the part that more of us will struggle with. Maybe for you, responding to the, the hurts and the, and, the, and the highs and lows of other people isn't really a problem. But for you, you know, you scarcely ever... Share your highs and lows with your brothers and sisters. And that's a problem too. Because it sends that message that we looked at earlier from verse 21. You know that message that says, I don't really need you. But in the church, that's not the way it's supposed to be, right? If we're going to be a community that suffers and rejoices together, then we have to share what's going on in our lives. How's that going for you? And again, I'm not talking about you know, broadcasting everything that's going on to every single person. But like the human body, again, right, we have those members that are close to us and and they need to know what's going on in our lives. That's how we grow together. One of our friends, uh, Amanda, whom some of you have met, I think, uh, shared a study with me recently that I found uh, fascinating. It was uh, conducted by Harvard. And it started way back in, get this, 1938. It's an old study. You know, they began tracking 268 Harvard sophomores, and they followed their lives for 85 years. Uh, It's the study that they titled the Harvard Study of Adult Development. You should check this out, and I can give you a link if you're interested. Uh, The goal of the study was really simple. They wanted to know, you know, what everybody wants to know. What's the secret to a, a happy and a healthy long life. Well, after 85 years, the research is in, and it might surprise you what the answer is. Here's a quote from an article that was written on the study. 
Close relationships, <laughs> more than money or fame, are what people uh, are what keep people happy throughout their lives. Those ties protect people from life's discontents, help to delay mental and physical decline, and are better predictors of a long and happy life than get this social status, IQ, or even genes. The director of the study, Robert Waldinger, summarized it this way. He said, those who kept warm relationships got to live longer and happier. And uh, the loners often died earlier. Loneliness kills, he said. It's as powerful as smoking or alcoholism. (laughs) Wow, right? I find these results amazing because, well, I guess mainly because in the context of our sermon, it highlights what God has been telling us right from the beginning. It is not good for the man to be alone. We have the church because God knows what we need. We need each other. We grow better in a community and we need that community, not just so that we can live long and happy lives, but more importantly, so that we can grow in Christ together and glorify God in the process. We want to give opportunities for anyone who's interested to grow in a community like this. You know, what happens here on Sunday morning is excellent, but it doesn't give us much time to help each other grow and establish those deep, meaningful connections that we need to grow together. And for that, we need some people in our lives who we hold close and and who we're committed to growing with. We often call these things small groups. You can call it what you like. But if you want to learn more about uh, how you can get involved in something like this, or if, or if you're already in a small group, but you want to talk more about how you can go deeper in it, I highly encourage you to attend our small group workshop next Sunday after uh, the, the class is on Sunday morning. We're going to hold it in uh, after the class time. It'll either be in the library or the NPR, depending on how many people we get. But, but come. Bring a lunch with you. It's only going to be an hour and a half, but we can help you get started on growing together in the body of Christ. This is important stuff. And this is how we put it into practice. If you're listening to this today and you realize that you're missing that sense of community in your life and you want to give your life to Christ and become a part of his body, we can help you with that decision. We see in the Bible that when the church began, those who wanted to dedicate their lives to Jesus joined his church by being baptized to mark their commitment to him and the start of their new life with him. If you're ready to make that commitment today and start that new life and be a part of that new body, or if you just want to know more about it, uh, as always, please feel free and come and talk to me after this. Thank you so much for your time today.